A familiar voice rumbles through me, faint but urgent. My soul roars even as my heart starts to pound. I don't even know what I'll hear. Whether we'll understand each other this time, how long we have, I only know that it needs to be heard. Its song lifts in an orchestral swell, and I brace for the avalanche. It has so much to sing, and just me to hear it. But I won't stop ever trying to listen. Welcome to League of Lore, a podcast about the lore of League of Legends, another property set in the Retarian Universe. I'm your host Jacob, or Skulled Soldiers, and let's get into it. Now today we're going to be talking about probably one of the most controversial characters in the entirety of League of Legends history. That's a kind of a bold claim to make, but if you were at all around for the absolute storm that came about of discourse and hate and disappointment uh, when she was fully revealed and announced, you would understand why. It it comes down to several different things, but before we get into like the controversy and why I think they, uh, Riot has done a good job of fixing some of those issues in her story, and where her story could go after they've fixed some of those issues, we'll do that after the break. So before that, let's just talk about who is Seraphine? Well, Seraphine was born in Zon, but her parents quickly tried to m- maneuver themselves into living in Peltover, and they successfully did so. They moved into Peltover, bringing Seraphine with them, and so essentially, Seraphine was born in Zaun, but raised in Piltover. That is kind of how her story pans out. She is of two cities. She is of both Zaun and Piltover. She is inherently meant to kind of be this uh, this bridging force between Zaun and Piltover, just by who she is. But what really makes us stand out is, it turns out Seraphine developed this really interesting ability that her parents didn't really understand and neither did she where she was able to hear the souls of people around her like the residents of Piltover and even the residents of Zaun though she was able to be around she could literally hear their souls and the sound they made had a very musical emotional quality to them essentially she could feel their emotions and hear them at the same time. She was essentially channeling this musical sound of the soul inside of her. She could hear it, essentially. Now, this power, when she was very young, quickly overpowered her because there was so much noise. It it quickly uh, just overcame her, and her parents decided, okay, we're going to help her by... Uh, getting a magical dampening device that would allow Seraphine to tune out this this soul resonance, I guess would be the best way of putting it. This, this resonance of the soul that she was able to do. And she so she gets a dampener and it does indeed cause everything to quiet down and she can actually hear herself think for once. 
And then she hears another voice. Or another sound or something. It turns out the uh, hex crystal inside this magical dampener was not a synthetic hex crystal. It was a true hex crystal. In other words, it was a Brackern soul crystal. Now, I think I briefly mentioned before about the Brackern, but to make a long story short, the Brackern are this crystalline scorpion species who went into hibernation um, like millennia ago uh, during, it seems to be around when the Shreeman Empire fell. The These crystal scorpions, these Brackern, went into hibernation and alongside them, they brought with them their soul crystals. Now, these Brackern soul crystals are special crystals that the Brackern feel drawn to during their lives. And it seems maybe connected to the Brackern's life cycle, or at least the Brackern's uh, like coming-of-age kind of societal norm. And what they would do is they would find the soul crystal and bond with it. And their part of their soul, or even their whole soul... It's a bit unclear how much of their soul's in it, but either way, it gets imbued into this crystal. That's what makes them so magically potent, is that Lear has a soul attached to it, as well as the fact that the crystal itself is just inherently magical. Now, because of this, as Seraphine has tuned out everything else due to this magical dampener, one sound came through, and that was the sound of the soul of the Brackern in the Hex Crystal. Now, in the original draft, here's where some of the controversy comes in. Because her story got changed slightly. And this change does make her, in some ways, less interesting, but also, in some ways, more interesting. It's kind of complicated. The point is, it changes her, her viewpoint, essentially. And her motivation a little bit. Because in the original draft, it's implied that she basically realizes... Like, instantaneously, that, oh, that's a Brackern. Cool. And that's about it. Um, she realizes a Brackern, and she continues using this uh, soul crystal uh, for uh, various reasons, which kind of makes her seem a little evil. She's basically using the soul of an unwilling party to power things. It's not great. Uh, because they cannot give consent to any of this, and it's like, that's not good. But in the current iteration of the story, the the redrafted version, she uh, she doesn't know that it's a Bracker inside this crystal. She just knows there's a soul in this crystal, and she doesn't know, like, is it a full soul? She doesn't know what's going on there. All she knows is that it, um, it seems kind. That whatever this voice is she hears, whatever she's hearing from this crystal, is very kind and supportive of her. And in fact, becomes a mentor to her in learning how to control her ability. And so, over time, she starts using the dampener less and less as she gets greater and greater mastery of her ability. Until the point that she's able to hear people's souls and be able to absorb them without being overwhelmed by them. But, as time goes on, she's less and less able to hear this uh, Bracken Crystal, this soul crystal. She's she's not really able to hear it as much anymore. In fact, she only ever heard it speak one, like, a few words once. And that was the initial time she had the, the magical dampener. And ever since then, she hasn't really been able to hear anything. Any of the guidance it gave was through, like, empathetic uh, pushes, essentially. Like, giving her emotional nudges. 
But that was about it. And then she realizes what her real calling is. She realized that she has the potential to unite these songs, these soul songs, amongst the people of Piltover and Zahn. These two people that she does, cannot grasp why they're so divided. She doesn't get it. And she thinks that if they could just hear how resonant their souls were, how unique and beautiful the songs that their own, like the, that them, they themselves are able to impart into the world through their soul. If they're just able to hear this, understand this, then it could bring them together into a unified whole, into a happier people. And so she decides to basically become a palp star. That, I wish I were joking, but that is essentially what she does. No offense to pop stars, but that is basically what happens. She decides to become a pop star. And to do so, she decides to basically take the soul crystal that she uses, she's, she sees as her guiding light, and put it into a new housing, which is this giant floating stage that her parents create. Because it turns out her parents are, um, they seem to have some connection to, like, creating instruments, and we see more evidence of this in Legends of Runeterra, where even Seraphine herself seems to be kind of a, a tech whiz when it comes to creating musical devices, which is kind of really neat. And... She then takes out this giant floating platform with the soul crystal powering it uh, as well, like her little guiding light to then begin singing out to the people of Piltover. And then eventually she starts spreading those same songs down to Zahn until eventually she's starting to have concerts where Zahnites and Piltovans show up as one into these big concerts where she listens to the, so the songs of the souls of the people in the audience and infuses that into the music that she sings. It's actually quite a beautiful uh, message in a lot of ways. This whole idea of unifying people through song is kind of very beautiful. Th but then we start getting the problem that that is as far as her story kind of goes right now. We know that that's what she's doing. And that's about it. That's about all we have for her right now. And we haven't really gotten much else from her as of yet. And it does seem that her goal with these songs is not only to unify Piltover and Zon through song, it is also to hopefully like channel enough soul power or soul songs to be able to hear the the voice in the crystal again. Like which like I said, she does not know it's a background. She just wants to be able to hear them again because they were the ones that basically has been her guiding light and also was the one that really gave her like a motivation to continue on despite the struggles of controlling her power. Now, before we get into the controversy with her and why uh, Legends of Runeterra has done quite a bit to salvage her character and make her a li little bit more interesting, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. If you want to help spread the show or simply get more content, you can follow the official Twitter at League of Lore 2 for updates on the podcast and other lore tidbits as well as rate or follow the podcast on your podcast of choice. You can also follow my Twitch account, twitch.tv soldiers, where I stream myself playing various games and discuss the lore and gameplay of those properties. I have been mostly focusing on Destiny lately, and I'm planning on the next stream, which should be coming out this coming Wednesday, that I will be uh, playing 
Uh, I'll be doing a trying to do an attempt a, a solo flawless run of the duality dungeon. If any of you are interested in me doing that and discussing the lore as we go through that dungeon in this solo flawless attempt. But uh, once again, I want to thank you all for just supporting the show. It's been of immense help. Just, just the reviews, the seeing all the downloads. It's just been very, very just encouraging. And I really do appreciate that. And with that, we'll be getting right back to the show. Now, like I said, Seraphine struggles with something that is just really disappointing. She struggles a lot with her characterization and her story. Specifically, those two things are very weak in comparison to what they do with her in her KDA skin line. Or skin, I should say. It's, this is where the controversy comes in. Because when she was initially announced, what really got promoted with Seraphine was not Seraphine in Runeterra, the Seraphine that we actually care about in terms of her story, her lore, and her characterization, and where her story might go. The, the Seraphine I just told you guys about. No, we learned about KDA Seraphine. Which, if you are not aware, KDA is a skin line in League of Legends where essentially they take... Uh, a certain group of champions, uh, specifically Ari, Akali, Evelyn, and Kaisa, and now Seraphine, and basically create a virtual K-pop group. Now, to be fair, KDA's music is great. I really do like the skin line. I think the visuals are quite fascinating. And honestly, the whole K-pop aesthetic is just really neat to see. Unfortunately, when Seraphine came out, her release skin, the skin that came with her when she was uh, released into the game was her KDA skin, and like I said, instead of so instead of promoting the Seraphine that we would get to know in Runeterra, they promoted her KDA iteration, which are not the same character. That's important to know. In skin lines, characters oftentimes change a little bit. They sometimes have uh, aspects of their character that is the same, but their story is now different because they're in a different universe. And in this one, they're in a more Earth-like universe where she's a K-pop star. Or a rising K-pop star, I should say. She's basically a rising musician who eventually gets brought into KDA by the, by the actual KDA proper group. That's her whole little story that they explore on Twitter. Which is where some of the issues come in because they basically play like she's a virtual person. But you treat her like she's a real musician rising up. Um, in popularity from being an independent artist to being an independent pop star to being a member of KDA. And this causes a lot of issues, mostly in the fact that she gets a whole little comic storyline, which I've read. It's quite good. I actually do like the comic. I think it's quite interesting. And I do like the characterization of everyone in there, especially for Kali and Evelyn. Um, But why does... Seraphine's skin line get more story content than her actual release real canon version. That's where the problem comes into. Because it, right now, she only has two things to learn about her from. Her biography and her one short story. That's basically it. And it's very frustrating. Uh, she's not the only champion that suffers from this. There are many champions that suffer from only having a biography and a short story to read into and dissect to learn more about them. 
it's really bad with Seraphine because of the fact that there's so much more for her in KDA. And even in some other properties, I believe. Uh, I I mostly focus on the KDA one because that's the one I'm most familiar with and also the one that where the controversy came from. But the point that she only has one biography and one just story talking about her canon iteration and five issues of a comic line which is about her in an alternate t- universe that gives her more development and more characterization than her short story does or her biography. That's really bad. Now, normally I don't like talking about um, controversy and stuff with these characters, but I think it's really important to talk about with Seraphine because it just shows that sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to really read a character in Runeterra, in these canon iterations, because of the fact that sometimes their skin lines get more lore, especially with Seraphine. Seraphine's the big offender here. And why that's important is it makes the job of understanding who they really are much more difficult for no reason. Um, Now, fortunately, some recent developments have changed this a little bit, and this has actually uh, improved my thoughts on Seraphine. Because when I was initially planning on doing this this pot, this episode on Seraphine, I was worried there wouldn't be enough to talk about, except for the controversy, and there wasn't really much to say about her as a character. But then Legends of Runeterra once again comes to the rescue by giving, because she's now in that card game, and now she has a bunch of cards related to her, as well as just her card herself. And those give her so much more characterization and so much more to read into her. Such as, for example, she has a rival in Zaun. She has a rival musician in Zaun that she has a friendly rivalry with that sometimes she has done, like, little concert battles with, essentially. Um, Like, or uh, it might be even implied that they uh, have a thing for each other. That seems to be a little bit implied, but it's kind of neat. But the cool thing is that it gives her more development. Also, they fix her design. Because another issue was her design and canon Runeterra, was really bad. Uh, it did not look like she was from Piltover or Zon. It looked like she came from an entirely different setting. And that's a problem. When she's meant to be the pop star figure of Piltover and Zod, And she didn't look like she was from either of them. But they fixed that in LOR. Where now she has a much more Piltovan uh, look. Where she has like more leathers. Her outfit is much more realistic. For the setting, it's not as ostentatious and K-pop oriented as her look is in uh, in, Legend- in League of Legends. It is much more like what you would see someone in Piltover wear, much more steampunk oriented and, and hextech oriented, which is so, so good. And also now we know that she creates her own instruments. She literally crafts them herself. She's a little inventor, which gives her more characterization because it really shows that she's truly putting her all into becoming this pop star figure. And also we see that her her vibrantly pink hair, that's all an act. She actually has brown hair. She dyes her hair for the pop star aesthetic, which just tells so much more about her. It shows that this pop star um, figure that she embodies when she's singing, it is truly all an act, which is so good to see because before now we just thought, oh, she's just a pop star. That's all there is to her. Cool. 
But now we see that there is more to her than just being this pop star. She has an she has a full realized life. She has friends. She has fangirls. There's a little card. There's a fangirl card, and it's hilarious. Uh, she has this this friendly rivalry with someone from Zon, who seems to be more of a punk aesthetic than a pop aesthetic, which is very very cool. And because of her redesigned her aesthetic, it shows that what she is likely doing is she's not just being a traditional pop star. She's not like singing just pop, for example. But maybe she's incorporating different musical stylings from the people that she's around. Like if she's in Zon, maybe she sings more like a punk style. But when she's in Peltover, she does more of a regular pop style. And it's just really, really interesting to see this dichotomy being developed through the card game, which then reflects onto her canon version. And I'm really, really glad to see that. Because now it allows me to really talk about what Seraphine seems to be embodying as a character. She seems to be this the young um, activist, essentially. She is a young activist who is trying to bring the peoples of Zon and Piltover together, like we already knew that. But what really brings this together is now that we see she really means this. Like, she's actively incorporating musical stylings from Zon into her music when she's down in Zon. She's going into Zon proper. She's not staying in Piltover, like we originally thought. And because of this, it really shows that she's really trying to bring these two uh, ideologues together. She's trying to bring these two vastly different societies together. And that's really noble and interesting. Now, I would love to see her have more interactions with characters like Echo, uh, with characters like Zeri, like these younger characters in Zon, and I'd like to see her interactions with characters in Piltover, like Caitlyn, or even Camille. Uh, this is a great comic that someone made. Uh, it's a fan comic, so this isn't canon, but, is, but it just shows the potential she has for a character, where basically Camille just confronts uh, Seraphine for trying to reach out to the people of Zon and bring them and bring them and Piltover together because that is not something Camille wants. Camille just wants Piltover over Piltover. She does not care about Zon at all. And it's really interesting seeing this potential dichotomy between Camille and Seraphine. Camille being this older, um, basically this figure of the older generation, the people who don't want to change, the hyper conservative, essentially in Piltover society. While Seraphine is this young, progressive upstart who is trying to use her artistic talents to bring people together, to bring awareness, and be an activist in that kind of sense. She's very much a the embodiment of a young, creative activist. That is essentially what she is. She's trying to do what she can to bring people together because that is what she believes is the best for everyone. She really is an optimist, essentially. She believes that people can become better than who they are on the surface because she can hear the good in their souls. And so she believes that that goodness in their souls can be brought forth in her music and bring people together as they realize they're not that different, actually. That they're more similar than dissimilar. And that's actually kind of really beautiful. And so I really hope that they keep expanding her character through Legends of Runeterra and in League of Legends proper. Please give her another short story, anything, especially a short story where she interacts with Echo or Zeri, or especially with Camille. I would really, I really want to see the Camille Seraphine short story. That sounds really cool and scary, and I, I really want that. But 
until then, we just we just have Seraphim right now, which is not a lot, but we're starting to see her develop more thanks to the developments in Legends of Runeterra. And with that, if you have any questions or thoughts, please send them in your reviews on your podcatcher of choice or to loreofrunterra at gmail.com. You can also now send them through the Discord channel, League of Lore, on, on the Robots Radio Network Discord, and they'll be answered in the next episode. And next episode, it's going to be time to cover probably one of the saddest characters in Piltover, and one of the ones that I really, really enjoy her story because of how tragic, but also potentially hopeful it is. And that's right, it's time to talk about Oriana. See you all next time. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast available everywhere.